Well, good morning everyone. My name's John and it's my pleasure to welcome you to our online service as well. Uh, so thank you Gerald and Chris for leading us in music and prayer this morning. And I'm excited to start this series on First Thessalonians and thank you to Lindsay for the Bible reading this week, which I hope gives you a little bit of a picture uh, of the, the context of First Thessalonians. But um, I'm not sure whether you know much about swallows, the bird, uh, a swallow here, it's a small light bird that can actually be found on every continent including Antarctica. And as tradition would have it, uh, the swallow carries a significant symbolic um, importance uh, for sailors, uh, signifying hope and good luck for them and their journeys. And since this bird, the swallow, would never travel too far out to sea, uh, seeing one indicated the presence of land and the end of their voyage. So accordingly, certainly in times past at least, uh, sailors, it would be a tradition amongst sailors to get a tattoo of a swallow. Um, they, would, they would get one before setting out for their voyage, for their journey and then they would get a second one on return uh, representing that they had actually returned and survived. Because due to the risks of being a sailor, uh, you know, heading out on these long journeys and voyages, um, there was the threat of disease, the vast oceans that they needed to travel, uh, pirates even. Uh, hope though was important. And the swallow was a picture of that hope uh, for sailors. Now in Christianity, we also have symbols of hope, don't we? The most memorable being the cross. And that is often represented in jewellery or displayed and engraved on on tombstones and in different artworks uh, across the centuries. But also symbols like light, Symbols like a manger, symbols like a dove or even our communion elements of bread and wine, all in different ways symbolise hope. And and hope is is something significant for us as believers. In fact, a key characteristic of the Christian faith is that message of hope. This morning as we begin this a series on the letter of 1 Thessalonians, as we turn to it, we see that in this, the content of this letter, a, uh, a, uh, words that inspire hope for us. Uh, it makes us aware of the hope that we have in Christ. And it's, it's written here to strengthen and to encourage us as believers in our life and faith together. So over the coming eight weeks, we're going to be working through uh, this letter and uh, each week we will read a portion of the letter together, examine its content, see what it has to say for us today. It's my hope that you find this letter encouraging, that it encourages you in your faith and your life and particularly in those areas of hope and holiness. You see, this letter lifts us out of our own troubles or at least speaks 
to us in ways in which other letters don't. It provides us with a picture, a bigger vision of what could be for our own faith and our own life and our faith and life together as a believing community. Our situation may not be the same as uh, those in Thessalonica. Our hardships may not be the same uh, than, than the people in which we read about. Our lives, of course, might not be the same. But through this letter, we may find uh, the Lord working in our hearts and in our minds, in our behaviours and our attitudes and in relation to what it means to be a church, to be a believing community together. Now, the reading that Lindsay gave us uh, from Acts 17 gives us a picture of the establishment, the founding of this small church. It describes how this church came into being, provides insight into the themes that Paul also highlights and talks about in the letter to the Thessalonians. And you will see there a a map uh, and in the top left there you should be able to find the the Thessalonica, uh, the city where Paul is writing to, there amongst the cities of Macedonia. And Paul and his friends find themselves in Macedonia on his second missionary journey. They've left Jerusalem and they're continuing to spread the message of Jesus, be a witness to the, to the known world about this Christ, this Messiah. And that is uh, particularly focusing on what is current day Eastern Europe. And we also find ourselves around or in uh, the year 50 AD uh, in this city of Thessalonica. It's current day Thessaloniki in Greece and it was a large bustling capital of Macedonia. The Via Ignatia was a road that the Romans built going east and west um, from the city. It provided an important highway for communication, for trade and transport around uh, Thessalonica and the known world. And being a city with a major port, it also had links across the Mediterranean. So this was a city that is really uh, similar to many in our world today. That is in respect to having a, a fairly long history, good for trade routes and transport, a thriving economy and uh, everything on offer for those who could afford it. The religious nature of the day uh, was a mixture of idol worship to the Greek gods and mythology uh, that was around at the time and also the establishment of a number of Jewish synagogues of which Paul uh, goes to over the course of what he says is three Sabbaths uh, there in verse 2 of our reading today as basically over the course of three uh, weekends. And we read of this, the founding of this church in Acts 17 verses 1 to 9 and Paul and Silas and Timothy speak to this local synagogue and we read that some of the Jews were persuaded to join Paul and Silas as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Evidently they had some success 
in sharing the good news, this gospel of God to the people of Thessalonica. There were some converts that turned to follow them uh, and to follow Jesus and to to accept this message from Paul and his friends, including some very wealthy uh, women of the city of the time. However, there was also some, it also caused a bit of a disruption. The message of the gospel was subversive and divisive, caused an uproar uh, in the city and particularly among the Jews who end up involving the Roman authorities as well. And so Paul, was, Paul and his team were left with no choice but to leave as we read uh, there. He goes to Berea and then goes on uh, to Athens. And we're told in Acts 17 um, things that are therefore then reflected in this letter to the Thessalonians. So Paul writes of the opposition that they face, the preaching of, with power and with boldness. He also talks about how many turned from idol worship to receive the good news despite the hardship. And so the message of Jesus was seen as a threat to the religious establishment uh, and also to the economic and political establishment of the city as well. So Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 to 10, he writes this, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know how he lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord, when in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we do not need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. While the time in the city uh, was brief for Paul and his colleagues, evidently they had made an impact. After leaving the city, Paul was desperate to hear from them, to to see them again. And so he sends back Timothy uh, to them to encourage them and find out what's going on. In chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, he says, Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith so that no one will be shaken by these things or by these afflictions. So in Paul's mind, he's asking or wondering a few questions. Have they gone back to worshipping these idols, these idols of the city or, or has the, the persecution that they, are faced, uh, they are faced with been too much of them? Was their hope still in Christ? Thankfully, Timothy comes back with some good news, it seems. Uh, We read that in verse uh, 8 of chapter 3. 
Uh, They were certainly going through hardship but they were standing firm in the faith. They They were acting in love and they were enduring in hope. Paul and the church wished to be together. They wanted to be together but in the meantime Paul would write to them expressing his thankfulness for them and encouraging them in hope and in holiness. And this leads us to our two main themes of this book, hope and holiness. And Paul brings these themes together in chapter 3 verse 13 where he prays, May the Lord make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. And this prayer provides a, a transition point in the letter where Paul calls the Thessalonians to, to please and honour God with their lives. So verse, chapter 4, verse 1, Additionally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received instructions from us on how you should live and please God, as you are doing, do this even more. He then goes on to explain what this looks like in the chapters following. And in concluding the letter, Paul returns to these themes with a final blessing in chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the first theme to highlight from this letter is that theme of holiness, a theme that stretches from the Old Testament through to the New Testament. For when God makes his covenant with his people Israel, he calls them to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation in Exodus 19.6. And, and the life of people, the people of God is to reflect God's own holy character. Be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. Leviticus 19.2 and also 1 Peter 1. The language of holiness can be tricky for us though. Uh, For us it it may produce judgmental attitudes or, or the feeling of needing to separate from others because of difference. However, holiness is not, does not involve the removal from the world. Rather, or instead, it is living in such a way that reflects God to the world. So, holiness is for all and every part of life. And the specifics may have changed this side uh, of Christ, this side of his death and resurrection, but the call to be set apart is uh, and to be a people set apart for Christ and for God remains. And we will see this in the coming weeks, but certainly 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16 is a, a key passage for that. And in chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, verse 1 I just read before, Paul introduces specific teaching about holiness uh, with these words. Additionally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus, that as you received instruction from us on on how to do or how to, how we should please God, 
as you are doing. Do this even more, for you know what commands we gave you through our Lord Jesus. And this is then capped in verse 7, for God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. So with this comes the call to do things differently from those around us. Paul draws on this biblical theme of of holiness to to encourage this largely non-Jewish audience or community to be countercultural, not merely for their own sake, uh, but in line with God's original plan for his people and to be a witness to the nations, to the known world. And so there is a call to holiness here in this letter of First Thessalonians. The second major theme we also see in this letter is that of hope. And the word hope occurs a few times in this letter, uh, but it's a topic that is also, you can, you can see it come out in different ways and, and different ways throughout uh, the letter itself. And there, there's this aspect of, of hope that is inspired because of Jesus. In chapter 1, verse 3, we recall in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour motivated by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul highlights hope at the beginning uh, of a long section about Christ's return and specifically about those who have died uh, and are waiting the resurrection. So in chapter 4, verse 13, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. This theme of hope is also mentioned in the way in which we are to understand our day-to-day living, the day-to-day life of a believer. It is because... We live in the light of Christ's return and his salvation that we have hope. So again, Paul writes, chapter 5, verse 8, but since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armour of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. Hope is clearly portrayed uh, also in an extended treatment of the return of Jesus Christ in chapter 4, verse 13, uh, onwards into chapter 5, as well as most at the end of most of the sections of the letter itself. And so that here in 1 Thessalonians, the goal uh, for which the biblical story moves towards is not some sort of spiritual existence apart from the world, separated from he- everyone waiting for heaven, but rather uh, waiting for resurrected bodies and a renewal of the uh, restoration of the creation uh, that he has promised. For the good news is that, that what we hope for has already begun. What we hope for already began through the death and resurrection of Jesus. For that was the divisive and decisive event Uh, where evil was defeated and new creation was beginning. It was launched from that point. 
Meanwhile, we see that this hope, this message of hope flows then into our lives, shaping the way we think and act and speak. So holiness and hope, these are not two separate topics. Uh, It is the hope of the Lord's return that provides the context for us to live lives that are pleasing to God, holy lives that will then speak and witness to others. Given the life circumstances that our city has found and our state has endured over the last 18 months, uh, we see and hear of people devoid of hope. The struggle has been real for plenty, plenty of people and it continues for plenty of people and families as they deal with the loss of work and purpose, a loss of friendship uh, and connection, a loss of community and relationship uh, with people. Yet hope is that which could be. And the hope, or to have hope, means that we're able to persevere through sadness and grief, through, through hardship and horrors, through, through suffering and, and sinfulness. And we want stories of hope and we need stories of hope, don't we? And the message of the Gospel is the greatest story of hope ever told. It is a story that encourages and strengthens us uh, when things are tough or when things are tight or when things are tense. For the Gospel of Jesus Christ is a Gospel of hope. The letter to the First Thessalonians of the of First Thessalonians provides us with hope and an encouragement toward becoming more like Christ. And we're stirred to hope because Christ has come and he has promised that he will come again. And on his shoulders is the salvation of all who believe. The message of Christ is the good news, it's the gospel and this gospel is hopeful news. It It is a message that inspires hope in us all. As Paul concludes uh, this letter to the Thessalonians, he writes this in his final two verses. Uh, I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And so to close our service Uh, this morning, uh, we are actually going to do just as what Paul instructs the Church of Thessalonica to do as well. Um, We're going to continue in the tradition of many churches, small or large, where we read the whole letter uh, to to ourselves as a community of of believers. And I want to conclude this morning by reading all five chapters of First Thessalonians. And uh, I'd encourage you to grab your Bible or, or, or follow along on the screen. Uh, as I read through, it will take around 15 minutes, I understand that. And I hope that you can put up with my dulcet tones for that long. Uh, but I think it's important, it gives, it gives us an understanding of the whole book. 
Uh, and uh, I really don't make any apology, uh, apology for reading the Bible at church, so I'll continue to I'll do that. Uh, but I really encourage you to follow along. See some of the things that I've highlighted, uh, particularly these themes of hope and holiness. And um, then I will, I will pray to close our service out after the reading of God's word. First Thessalonians. Paul, Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but but also in power, in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord, when in spite of severe persecution you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place where your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything For they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impunity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please people but rather God who examines our hearts. For we never use flattery, flattery uh, Flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives, God is our witness. And we didn't seek glory from people either, from you or from others. Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you. As a nurse, matures, uh, as a nurse nurtures her own children, we care so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember our labour and hardship, brothers and sisters, working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We preach God's gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, righteously and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted and implored each one of you to live worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. 
This is why we constantly thank God because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as as a human message but as it truly is, the word of God which also works effectively in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and persecuted us. They displease God and are hostile to everyone by keeping us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. As a result, they are constantly filling up their sins to the limit and wrath has overtaken them at last. But as for you, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time, in person, not in heart, we greatly desired to make every effort to return and see you face to face. So we wanted to come to you, and even I, Paul, time again, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the Gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith, so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. In fact, when we were with you, we told you in advance that we were going to experience affliction. And as you know, it happened. For this reason, when I could no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that your labour might be for nothing. But now Timothy has come to us from you and brought uh, us good news about your your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us and that we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in, in all our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live, if you stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you? As we pray very earnestly, night and day, to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. Now Now may our God and Father himself And our Lord Jesus, direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. Additionally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received instruction from us on how we should live and please God, as you are doing, do this even more. For you know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is his will, your sanctification, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honour, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. This means one must not transgress and against and take advantage of a brother or sister in this matter, in this manner. 
because the Lord is an avenger of all these offences, as we also previously told and warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. Consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. About brotherly love, you don't need me to write you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. In fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia. But we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to do this even more, to seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you so that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore encourage one another with these words. About the times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labour pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then let us not sleep like the rest, But let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armour of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labour among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to regard them very highly in love because of, the work, or because of their work. Be at peace amongst yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, Be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us also. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning and we pray that we may be encouraged by it, that we may be strengthened by it, that we may see the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ because of it. Lord, we thank you uh, that we can come to you at any time of the day and lift our heart to you. We thank you that we can come at any time of the day and read your word and hear from you. Lord, help us to do so uh, today and this week. Lord, we thank you for the, the hope and the call to holiness that you show us here in this letter to the Thessalonians. We pray that as we explore over the coming weeks the, the, the passages and, and specifics in this letter that we too may be encouraged and strengthened in our faith and in our life as no doubt those of Thessalonica were as well. Lord, I pray for those who are listening, those who are, are hearing your word this morning, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with them. And Lord, may you cause an increase, an overflow of love for one another because of the hearing of your word this morning. And as we step out into our day, Make our hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. And Lord, may we hold on to that hope that comes from your gospel. So we pray these things uh, in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen.